What's up, podcast listeners? In this episode, me and Stephanie Niklos from our food service team speak with Park Plank from Dot Foods, which, as a national redistributor, it sits between the manufacturers and distributors to add efficiencies into the entire food supply chain. So among the things that we talk about with Park are the history of Dot Foods, uh, how the company drives all of these supply chain efficiencies, and we also get into what it is that Park looks for in those suppliers with which he decides to do business. So if there's any suppliers out there that are looking to get on Park's radar, this is definitely a podcast you want to listen to. Enjoy. Hey, podcast listeners. Uh, Joe with ECRM here, and I have as my guest today uh, Park Plank, uh, the Director of Business Development for New Suppliers with Dot Foods. And along with him, I have Stephanie Niklos back, and she's with our food service team. So thank you guys both for joining us. Thanks for, Thanks having, for me. having me, Joe. So I guess, you know, for, for all of the listeners out there, you know, what we're, we're doing is uh, because we were supposed to have our food service programs this week in Vegas, which ain't nothing happening in Vegas right now, uh, we're trying to do a little bit of introductions to some of our buyers uh, through these podcast interviews. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to touch on a, a whole variety of things. But, you know, just to start off, how are things going? Park, what's going Where Where are you based and what's going on in your neck of the woods? I am in uh, Chesterfield, Missouri, which is suburban St. Louis. So we're about 30 miles west of St. Louis. And I think uh, pretty much like everybody, we're uh, – we're trying to figure out what the heck's going on and, and uh, are in a very fluid situation where uh, where the world is changing rapidly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it in saying it's a fluid situation because really, I don't think anybody has enough information about what's going on in order to really make critical decisions yet. Uh, that's right. We have information. a ton of people in ton of people in the business working on it and uh you know really it's you're right there, there's nobody really that's equipped for this um you know professionally it's yeah. just you know you, you take the information that you have and you know you use the people that uh in the in their their own uh, specialty areas of the business and uh think about impacts and and what the right things to do are for the business and for the employees uh most importantly the employees and our customers and partners yeah, and, and you know, the the, uh, the challenge is we don't have a grasp on how bad this thing is yet. We don't know exactly how many people got it. We don't know how fast it's expanding. We're taking the measures. I know uh, over here in New York, you know, all of, as of yesterday, as of last night at 8 o'clock, well, mostly 9. I was out till 9, but until 8 o'clock <laughs> is when all of the restaurants uh, and bars had to shut down except for delivery and takeout. And so I went, a bunch of us in the neighborhood went to support one of the local places that, you know, we're really close with the owner. And we all just went there for that last night, just for a couple of hours, just to be with her and, and, and hang out. And, you know, and now it's just a ghost town. And are yep. you guys seeing that as well in your areas? I certainly Yeah. Am. Um, yeah, this is Stephanie. I'm just south of Cleveland and, you know, all of our bars and restaurants shut down Sunday night at nine, and it's just a really strange thing. Um, never seen anything like this before. 
And we've got most of the restaurants are it's it's still an individual decision here. Most of them are uh, are shutting down or at least preparing to to go to just the delivery and carry out options. Um, there's still a few of them that you can actually go in, but you know I don't, I don't see very many cars uh, around them. I was at the grocery store last night, and uh, you know for the most part, you know except for the meat section, the bread section, and the sanitary wipes section. Um, you know, the, the store was fairly well stocked. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, same here. I mean, I, I went to my local drugstore and obviously the paper goods are gone. They've been out of stock for a couple mm -hmm. of days, hand sanitizers, all, all that. But, uh, you know, what's interesting and I guess we can, we can, you know, go more into this later on, but you know, what's interesting. I was talking in a podcast with, um, Albertson's marketplace. And they're, you know, you know, Albertsons, the grocery chain, you know, a yep. safe way, you know, well, Albertsons marketplace is their endless aisle concept, right? It's uh, the, you know, uh, e-commerce site where you can actually, you know, it's all drop ships so they can have as many people on there as want, as they want. And what was interesting though, is sure among his suppliers, he's seeing out of stocks uh, with all of those, but what he's noticing is it's starting to drive business of other types of items that kind of fill those roles. So for example, um, they may not have hand sanitizer anymore, or they may be not have disinfecting wipes anymore, but there was one product on there that's essential oil, an essential oil product that has disinfecting properties and sales are boosting. You know, so there's like mm -hmm. products that people are discovering that are filling the gaps of those out of stocks. I actually saw a uh, an email that came through today. I've got a pool at home, and, and I uh, Leslie Pool Supply, a big national um, pool retailer that sells chemicals and all that stuff. <laughs> they were pushing liquid chlorine because it's more uh, it's more potent than bleach. Wow! Yeah, but yeah, that's what's going to happen. People are going to look for alternatives. So I've been telling suppliers, it's like, listen, if you have something that you know, if you have an, an immunity-boosting product, like a friend of mine's got an immunity-boosting tea, another one has, you know, some uh, uh, supplements that are, you know, it's like, man, make sure these buyers know because customers are, like, looking, jumping for these products. Yeah. Some people are trying to make sanitizer or something out of Tito's, right? <laughs> That's a lot I was going to say, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to use Tito's for that. I can, no. I can think of better uses. I could sanitize my esophagus and stomach with, uh, there you go. with some of that. So, uh, I, you know, so, and it's interesting. I just got a book. I just got an Amazon delivery of a book. Uh, it was Daniel Defoe's um, A Journal of the Plague Year, which is his account of the uh, uh, the London Plague, the bubonic plague. In the bubonic 16, plague. Yeah, in 1665. So I'm going to read that tonight and see if that, that uh, gives me any insights in what we what we're gonna <laughs> face. So, um, so yeah. So, all right. Well, well, you know, now that we got you here, uh, Park, can you tell us, uh, give us an overview of what Dot Foods does, and also your role in it, and and take sure. it, you know, be be as detailed as you like. We have plenty of time these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. So, um, so Dot Foods is the largest uh, national redistributor in the country. Um, redistribution is kind of a concept that uh, that our founder 
uh, back in 1960s named Robert Tracy, um, was working at a dairy, and he was a plant manager at a dairy in the Midwest and was responsible for inbound ingredient products. So he's buying truckloads of milk powder and chocolate powder and any ingredient you're going to use in, in whether it's fluid milk or ice cream or whatever, you know, any of the drinks they're making at the dairies. And his, his thought process was, I don't need truckloads of any of this stuff. I need, you know, 10 bags of this or 15 pails of that or a pallet of this. And he said, you know what, I'm going to start buying all this stuff in full truckload quantities myself. And I'm going to go to all my buddies in the dairy industry around the country. And I'm going to sell them this consolidation program that allows them to buy just what they need, kind of a just-in-time inventory approach. Um, and I'm going to deliver it to them on a regular basis. And what's happened is that as, as time went along, um, we moved that over into the food service business. Uh, we've moved that over into the retail space. And, and now we kind of sit in a unique position in the supply chain, uh, kind of in between the manufacturer and the distributor. So a manufacturer looks to DOT and says, hey, you can make my less than truckload or LTL supply chain more efficient because those are the loads that are the most expensive for me. Uh, they're the hardest to, you know, to kind of put together. Um, you know, from a freight standpoint, they're, they're costly. From a, from a warehouse handling standpoint, it's a lot of picking individual cases and, and all those different things. Uh, it's lots of orders um, you know, that we're having to take. It's lots of credit that we're having to chase. So we can consolidate these deliveries, smaller deliveries, and sell all, all these customers these small deliveries and focus on making great products and selling you know, large quantities of it. You can go pick up a large quantity dot, and then you can take it to all my small guys. I can handle my, my big truckload and half truckload guys and kind of farm the rest of this stuff out to you. So that's the, from a manufacturer's perspective, that's kind of the front half of it. And then the other thing is when you look at all the different channels that we sell in, in, in food service, retail, when I say retail, that gets into drug, mass, grocery, convenience, um, specialty retail, um, you know, all these different, different segments of retail. Um, we've got about 4,700 ship twos that we have. So we now open up access to all of this manufacturer's products to all these 4,700 customers. Um, whether they, and they can also say, you know what, I'm not really in retail. I do mostly food service, but I would like to get into retail or convenience or whatever it might be. So we kind of give them a turnkey solution to be able to gain access to our customer base through what we're doing with them. And then you flip that over to the customer side. The customer says, you know, I can buy, you know, the 80% of, or the 20% of the items that do 80% of my volume. I can buy that in large quantities. I can buy my French fries and ketchup and chicken breasts and, you know, kind of my staple stuff. I can buy that direct in large enough quantities. But when it gets down to the 80% of my items that do 20% of my volume, you, you dot give me an alternative to be able to consolidate all of that bring it in on one truck, buy just what I need, buy it on a weekly basis or even more frequently than that in some cases, turn my inventory, um, you know, reduce my expenses through consolidation. I cut one PO, I get one invoice, I write one check. Um, you know, I've got all these different benefits that, from a cost standpoint. And then instead of having four or 500 LTLs back it up to my dock, I can put them on the dot truck and receive that one truck on a weekly basis. So they're looking at the efficiency of that, not only from it makes their operations smoother, it also allows them to reduce cost. And then on the sales and marketing side for them, we offer 
hundred and I don't know, 140,000 SKUs that are set up in our system. And, and now a distributor can really say, you know what, I have access to this whole other inventory pool that I really don't want to bring in and, and stock, but I want my customers to have availability to it. So I can now say, hey, you know what, I know I don't have this product or stock this product, but let me check with my quote unquote other warehouse um, and see if they have it and I can be able to get it to you on a, on a faster basis. So when you talk about kind of a 30,000 foot view, that's the manufacturer side of it and that's the customer side of it from a supply chain and a sales and marketing side. So it seems like you, you add a bunch of efficiencies and you, you, you remove a lot of overlap and waste out of the whole process, but that's got to be really some huge complex thing to manage. That's amazing to, to be able to manage all of that. And I guess that's your expertise is making all the coordinations. It is. It's the systems. It's the, what's the people, it's the experience. And it's the systems that we put in place to kind of, if you think about getting into this business to be a Reedy, and that's, I think, why, you know, one of the major reasons that there aren't a bunch of Reedy's, there, there are a lot of them that are kind of regional. So somebody in the Northeast or the Northwest or, you know, Midwest, whatever it might be, that, that cover a handful of states and maybe do kind of uh, partial work for, for manufacturers and, and make product more accessible. But if you think about what we've got, we've got, um, 12 distribution centers in the U.S. We've got two in Canada. We've got a joint venture in Mexico. Um, so we've got, you know, really 15 uh, quote-unquote locations in, the, in, the, in North America. Um, and then we've got a fleet of almost 2,000 trucks. So you talk about capital intensive to get into, and we've got, you know, 1,000 manufacturers and, um, you know, 4,700 customers. Just the, the pure capital involved in not only just the bricks and mortar, but then when you start talking about uh, back-end systems and how we, how we route our trucks, how we manage our warehouse, um, you know, anything, how we report sales back to the manufacturer. Because we don't want these customers to simply move over from being a direct customer of the manufacturer over to DOT. That customer is still that manufacturer's customer. They're just sourcing the product differently through DOT. So we report every sale that we make back to the manufacturer, back to their brokers. If they're part of a buying group or approved by a buying group, we report it back to the buying group. So everybody throughout the whole chain has visibility to what we're selling. Gotcha. So you're just, you know, so, so like if we looked at it visually, you have the big trucks coming from the suppliers going to your facilities and then the smaller trucks going out to the other smaller distributors, which are sending other... <laughs> yeah, not necessarily smaller trucks. It's just smaller... Smaller quantities by manufacturer. If you think about it, we, if you, if you just, you know, the simplistic way to say it is we buy big and sell small. So, and by small, I mean for each individual manufacturer because our average order size to a customer is pretty close to a half a truckload. So, you know, usually a customer's buying from us, they're buying a half a truckload at a time. Um, on average, you know, we got lots of guys that are buying multiple trucks a week, but the, the order quantity per specific manufacturer is where it's, where it's those smaller, uh, smaller orders. Gotcha. And when you do, re and when you mention retail, you're talking about regular mass retail too, in addition to the food service? Yeah. Well, and, and it, keep in mind, our business only goes to a distributor. So yeah. in food service, the vernacular in food services is distributor. In retail, 
in grocery, you've got wholesalers yep. and self-distributing chain warehouses like Albertson has their own, their own warehouses, but super value um, here locally is a chain here called Deerberg's and Deerberg mm -hmm. buys most of their stuff that they don't, you know, doesn't come in direct, you know, daily uh, through a super value warehouse. So that's grocery. So you got wholesalers and you got these self-distributing chain warehouses in convenience, similar to the, to the food service world. You've got people like McLean and Cormark and HD Hackney and EB Brown and people like that that are convenience store distributors. So there's about 450 of those servicing, I think it's 150,000 convenience stores around the country. Uh, mass merchandisers like Target and Walmart uh, generally have their own distribution centers. Uh, we sell to them. And then uh, in the drug side of things, CVS and Walgreens have a kind of a combination. Their, uh, their ambient products go through their own distribution and then their uh, temperature controlled uh, go through uh, either a distributor or even in some cases a, an ice cream distributor that's selling into their uh, freezer and refrigerated case um, that allows them to get access to more products. Gotcha. So with uh, being in the middle of all that, you must gather some amazing insights in terms of what's selling and what's hot, we do. Um, you know, it's it's, uh, and we're not as focused probably on the 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 trend of of what's selling, except for you know what we're listening to from our from our customers is mm -hmm. where are you guys having problems? What where can we solve problems in the supply chain? That's kind of what the base of this whole business was was how do we solve problems in the supply chain for a manufacturer? What what is hard for you to buy? What is, uh, what is hard for you to get access to? And probably the, the biggest thing right now over the last couple of years where we've grown the fastest, not from a, from a sales standpoint, but from a, um, an offering standpoint and, a, and a, um, oh, a, a product bread standpoint is the natural specialty and organic category. Um, you know, that's, that's long been kind of a want and need in food service. Mm -hmm. It's always led by retail. Uh, and, you know, Whole Foods and, and uh, Fresh Express and, you know, a lot of these sprouts and, and stores like that have, have really established that marketplace. And food service has always been, uh, it's been a challenge for them to get to that. So, you know, we see a problem in the supply chain. We see that food service distributors need an easier way to be able to access this naturally speci natural specialty and organic product. And so we see an opportunity. So we've actually got a um, a whole group really that is leading the charge for us in, uh, in natural, especially organic. Gotcha. And uh, those, are uh, those are pretty hot, uh, categories among they've actually natural organic has been hot for a while. Now we mm -hmm. see, um, wondering if you see this too, them dipping into more specialty diets too, like plant-based, uh, vegan, keto, paleo, things like that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whole 30. You know, all, a lot of companies are actually uh, branding with those special diets. I, I always thought it was funny. The, the one thing that I do, which you can't, it's, you know, worthless for any retailer or food service is intermittent fasting. How do you right. sell to somebody who doesn't eat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess that's the one diet no retailer or food service operator wants to promote. Is a, is a fasting diet. Yeah, that one's probably not going to be on their radar. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Park, what is your role at, at the company? So I direct the, the group that brings on new suppliers for us. So when we've got, uh, whether it be 
customers that are asking us uh, the, the food service program that, that I was going out to. Um, I would have probably mm -hmm. been in my 400th meeting or something like that by now today. Wow. Um, that's right. Like, that, that, that's a little, that's a little extreme, but I had a great schedule set up and you guys did a great job of, uh, of really filling up a couple of days there with, uh, with meetings. And, um, so, so really I, I am, am the point person for us. I've got, uh, four people that work for me that are, that are really chasing new suppliers. Um, we've got a separate, uh, gentleman that, that does it in the, the non for the, the natural specialty side of things. But, um, I kind of direct our, our activity there. And then I've also got a group that once we put a program together with a manufacturer, they work with that company to, uh, to execute the launch. So that's my role here. And I've you, been about 30 years and been in, in sales and business development uh, through the whole thing. Wow. And so, and so you do that for both the retail and the food service space? Yes, that's right. We, we, we have uh, our sales organizations are separate uh, in food service and retail. Uh, and at one point, we had our uh, our new supplier group separated that way, but we've tried to kind of as, as the channels have blurred in the business, where you know when you're when you're talking to a manufacturer, things seem to get less siloed now nowadays, with all the different mm -hmm. opportunities for away from home and you know who's doing what and the you know groceries having their own grocery stores having their own restaurants. Uh, Definitely blurring the lines. Yeah, so we're. So we've really tried to to take that activity and just say it really doesn't matter. Um, and for our, from our perspective, the, the the heavy lifting for us is done on trying to figure out how to make the supply chain work with that manufacturer. And a lot of that has to do with dollars and cents and the and the cost to serve that business. And the case doesn't really care if it's a retail case or a food service case. It costs the same to get it there. Right. So what do you look for in suppliers when you're looking at, you know, taking on a, a new product or a new supplier? The first thing is, is usually some kind of customer demand and, and that we're hearing from. So we've got a, a couple of different ways of, and we're, we're, we're trying to gain a lot more different avenues in terms of trying to go out and target who we should be proactively chasing. So we listen to our customers. Um, the brokerage community is typically a very uh, a very fertile ground for us in terms of them telling us, hey, have you talked to these guys? Have you, have you been down this road? Um, with, with the advent of natural specialty in our business, um, there's a lot of private equity money that goes into uh, a lot of these smaller natural specialty folks. So we've tried to partner with some of those folks uh, and find out where they're placing their bets and, and you know, what, what categories and manufacturers um, they believe are kind of the uppers. Um, we go to lots of trade shows. Um, you know, this will be my first uh, ECRM event. Whenever that gets uh, gets rescheduled, that'll be my first one. Um, we do Expo West, National Restaurant Show, uh, National Convenience Show, lots of different conventions where we're just kind of walking around trying to find, um, you know, new suppliers. Now, once we get to that point, um, it's really understanding the category what the where the customer demands coming from um they, they do need to have at least some kind of critical mass of business for us to be able to, to take from them selling it direct to it moving through us just so we can kind of grease the skids and get the trucks rolling and and have a frequency of supply of that product um and, and that varies uh, as well when you're talking about categories that we're trying to get deeper into we're typically a little more open to um you know to, to lowering that bar um, and, and 
you know, so that that's kind of a moving target, but it's, it's some kind of critical mass. It's, um, it's a sales strategy that involves either a direct sales force. And when I say force, that could be three people or it could be 300 people, um, just depending on the category, uh, or whether they've got a broker network. Um, and then more and more, it used to be, we really wanted some kind of defined, uh, pricing structure, whether that be through brackets or, or however they did it. But more and more, we're finding a lot of these smaller manufacturers have kind of pieced together kind of what's worked for them. And then we've got to try to work within that. So so those are the kind of things that we're working on when we're talking with uh, with manufacturers about bringing them on board. But really, it's it's trying to figure out what, where we can solve problems for our customers is, is really if you, you go first and foremost and what that opportunity looks like. Yeah, and we hear that sometimes, um, you know, on, on the buy side at our programs is they'll find a product they really like, but then there's a little bit of a roadblock of how do they get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, okay. I hear that probably yeah. every day. Um, yeah, I'm sure. If you think about a small manufacturer, they're, you know, hey, I make the best whatever it is in the world if I only had a way to get it to the customer. and I'm sensitive to that, but I also have to, you know, I'm not a, my sales organization is going out and selling their products as part of an overall distribution solution. So when, when my salesperson goes in to talk about whatever it might be, a plant-based burger, they're not going to talk about what the ingredients are or the nutritional benefits of it or the cost per serving or, you know, what the manufacturing process is. They're going to, you know, they're going to try to figure out how it fits into this logistical solution. And if, if you're counting on us to go out and make these contacts and help you sell your product based on just the product itself, we're not going to be very good at pioneering that. When you've got right. a story to tell, when you've already got, you know, whether it's a couple of chains or whether it's, you know, just some, uh, you know, some up and coming business that you've got or you've already established a, a small base of business. Um, and you can come to us and say, hey, I think we can take this. We've kind of proven ourselves here. We've proven the demand. We want to take it to the next level. That's when we can get involved and help solve that problem in terms of distribution. So basically, if the suppliers already have kind of a proof of concept in that they're, they're, you know, they're in these chains here uh, across these two states or maybe even just this one state, but as long as they have that uh, uh, core volume of business that they've demonstrated you know, they got something that works, you can take them on, work with them, and then help them expand to other areas within your network. That's right. So, so you can, uh, um, once you bring somebody new on, you could potentially really, really jack up their business. Well, it, it, a lot of it, and we've got a lot of different opportunities for them to help with that. You know, just the fact that we don't have a minimum uh, for any supplier's product. So that so a supplier that starts with us, let's say they had a 5,000 pound minimum to their customers. Well, if they put a program together with us, their, their minimum is effectively one case. We'll sell one case of, of any manufacturer's product as long as it's part of an overall, uh, you know, an overall order that, that could be 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, truckload, whatever it is. So, so we automatically make their product successful one case at a time, anywhere in the country, and our lead times are, you know, 48 to 72 hours, depending on where in the country. Everything east of the Rockies is really 48 hours. Everything west is 72. So we, we remove a lot of barriers for somebody by saying, oh, I can't hit your minimum. Or, 
your lead time's too long or whatever it is. We, we eliminate a lot of those barriers. So just that part of the, the program and the, the mechanics of it, um, you know, pose that to them. The next step, and you mentioned it uh, kind of in the, the intro here, was what we call the Dot Expressway, which is our website, which is it's it somewhere around a million hits a, a month. Um, and primarily people are using it to search products. So um, we've got different views where a distributor can see it, a broker can see it, a manufacturer can see their products, um, you know, uh, national account operators can see it. Uh, and, and now we've opened it up to where actually we've got um, actually we've got uh, DSRs, distributor sales reps, that, that have the availability of the expressway. So they can be standing in front of an operator and have all this information uh, on on the products of the manufacturers that we carry. So if somebody asks them, hey, I'm looking for this, you know, chocolate covered kumquat or whatever it is, um, and the guy said, the DSR says, well, I, I know we don't have that. Let me check my other warehouse. He can look at the Dot Expressway and see that that product's available. He can pull up, um, you know, all the information to set that item up in their system. He can pull up all the, the GDSN data, so marketing, nutritionals, um, you know, serving ideas, photos, uh, you know, images, uh, pull all that stuff up with one click and be able to turn his iPad, phone, laptop, whatever he's got around to that operator and say, is this what you're looking for? And if he says yes, he has the ability to then place that order with his, with his buyer back at the, uh, back at the office. So, um, you know, that's another way that we can get that out there. And then we've also got a whole, uh, menu of different marketing options uh you know large marketing program every year that involves a food show um we've got lots of digital marketing opportunities where whether it be email or advertising on the expressway uh, lots of different things there so so from the from the very bare bones that your products become available one case at a time anywhere in the country with short lead time all the way up to as many different of these menu opportunities as you'd like plus the expressway so once, so on the expressway, I mean, that's effectively expanding these distributors' product selection to capabilities to, you said, what, 130,000 SKUs? Or? Yeah, all 130,000 SKUs are listed on there. Um, you know, we probably stock day in and day out about 50,000 of those. Mm -hmm. And they, everything that a manufacturer sets up in our system, and we typically have the whole offering from a manufacturer set up in our system, uh, everything is visible to to all their all of our customers. Wow, that's a nice selection. With pricing, with uh, item setup information, with all the you know the GS one data, with images and marketing nutritional information, uh, all really at their fingertips, twenty four seven. Wow. So so now so you have a lot of moving parts, and and I know a lot of your customers and their customers are probably impacted by all of this. How are you doing your sourcing like now, like right now, like here yeah, this week you would have been in meetings in Vegas uh, at our program and you mentioned you go to a lot of industry events. Now that we're not doing that for like, you know, at least the next two, possibly three or more months, mm -hmm. has that impacted how you've changed the way you're looking for products or are you just putting it on hold or, you know, what's, what's happening as far as that? I sent a note out to my guys today that, that basically said, you know, we're managing what we've got that we're getting ready to launch and, and all that stuff. We've got a lot of, you know, we're, we're working on that plan as we speak. Um, but the stuff in terms of what we're looking to source, the, the other thing I didn't mention, we have a, a, a portal on our website that allows a manufacturer to just come into our website and, and 
fill out a questionnaire to become a dot supplier. And then we'll follow up with a team member that, that gets in touch with them and tries to vet that opportunity. So, we're, you know, I don't know that that activity will, I don't know, will pick up, it will slow down or what the, what the case is, but we might get, you know, 25 to 30 of those coming in on our website a week of, of folks that have heard, heard about dot kind of the same ways we heard about them, whether it was a broker or a customer or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got a lot of that going on. Um, we've kind of got our pipeline of people that we've been, been working with and, and chasing now. Um, and my message today to everyone was, you know, you're not going to be able to go out and have face-to-face meetings, but, you know, we've got Zoom, uh, obviously, um, that we can yeah. do. So um, I think right now, whereas we may not launch them as fast because of what's going on, but, um, you know, my direction really is let's, let's keep the conversations going. So when we do come out on the other end of this thing, it's kind of, it's almost like you pick things up uh, as usual. Yeah, I think these digital offerings are really, um, really getting a lot of use now. Uh, for example, we have a company called RangeMe, which uh, yep. is, a, you know, are you familiar with them? Digital mm-hmm. product discovery platform and uh, activity has spiked on there so much with buyers uh, during this time. And some of them, that we're going to be at some industry events that were going on during this time. What they're doing is kind of like a review day where they're telling everybody, Hey, submit your products through our enterprise link and over the next couple of weeks. And then on March 30th, all of our buyers and category managers are going to dedicate the day to reviewing all of those submissions, right? Cause for these retailers like thrive, uh, was it uh, fresh time farmers market thrive, uh, Metro Inc. and uh, Smart and Final, and you know a lot of these retailers have you know Range Me handles their uh, inbound product submission process. So they're making these days that are dedicated just to reviewing products. So what you mentioned on there it reminded me of that because it's a it seems that a lot of that they're turning to digital um, means of doing this during this time when they can't meet face to face. Right. And we've, you know, frankly, we've been on, we've, we've added probably, I know last year we added close to 100 suppliers. Um, we're planning on adding over 100 this year. Um, you know, and, and our, our plans call for that number to continue to, uh, to at least stay the same and, and increase um, to some degree. And, and even if all of this wasn't going on, we can't do everything. Our companies culture or company's roots are, are about relationship and face-to-face and, and doing business that way. But, but we also embrace technology and, and mm-hmm. we're, we're almost to a point now where we're a, a technology company doing distribution um, with all the different things that we've got. We're offering online solutions and things like that. So, um, you know, bringing on that number of suppliers is, is not possible the way we used to do it where everything was, Hey, we've got to go out and meet with the right people and all those kind of things. Now we've got to get the right people on the phone uh, or on a, on a teleconference or a zoom conference, whatever it might be, and be able to close some of these deals without doing that. So this, this is not, this should not be new to us. um, But it certainly changes things because there's not that, uh, that relationship side of it where where we do like to go out, uh, you know, especially when you talk about larger opportunities, get all the right people involved and, you know, meet with supply chain folks and, you know, as opposed to doing everything on the phone. But, but right now that's what we've got. So we've got to, got to make the best of it. 
Yep, or at least you do a combination of both where you leverage the technology part to kind of vet that initial wave of suppliers. And then once you narrow it down to your best picks, those are the ones you could spend more time on. What, you know, whether it's face-to-face -face or if not face-to-face, a -face, uh, conference call or a Zoom meeting or something like that. Well, that's why I like the, the format of your, of your food service uh, program. You know, it was going to be a, it was going to give me face to face, I think I had 75 meetings or something like that. And it was, mm -hmm. it was face to face yeah. contact with all those people. It was quick, but, you know, I think you do, do a good job of preparing them for what they need. Um, but it gives you that face to face, it gives you that touch point. And it does it quickly so that you can at least get that first wave of meetings. And then this way from there, you know exactly which ones you want to put your time into following up with. Exactly. Great. So, so I guess uh, um, my last question would be, unless Frankie's got any others, uh, is what are your recommend recommendations for the suppliers out there who you didn't get to meet with this week? Uh, what should they do? How should they should they reach out to you? Or you know, well, what 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 can we all do to kind of keep those connections going? Yeah, the first the first step really is that I, I talked about that website questionnaire. Um, it's just www.foods.com. There's a, uh, and we're, we're getting ready to go through a little bit of a change with our website, um, but for now, they would go to who we serve and then suppliers, and it will take them to a, a, an online questionnaire uh, that allows them to fill out some information about their company and their supply chain and, and a few other things. And at that point, they'll be contacted by uh, somebody from my team that will kind of walk them through um, some questions in more detail on, on their questionnaire and kind of decide between the two of us, is there still an opportunity here to, to move forward? So I would urge anyone who is interested in, in getting involved with DOT would be to, to take that first step and filling out that supplier questionnaire. And, and we'll make sure that we're, we're following up uh, in terms of you know, getting back and, and asking more questions and answering their questions and seeing if there's a fit for both companies moving forward. Great. And then once we do reschedule these food service uh, programs, you will be able to meet with these guys face to face and actually have those uh, um, more of a conversation with them. Yeah. And maybe if we've got those questionnaires already done, I mean, even that short conversation, um, you know, could even turn out to be more, more beneficial to both yeah. of us. Yeah. It'll be that next step. So, uh, so Good I think idea. that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost, almost like an extended prep. Right, suppliers uh, reach yeah. out to you first, give you, let you uh, uh, dig into their info, and this way it'll make your meetings even more productive. So, uh, listeners, don't forget to do that. Check out, check them out. We'll put the link on uh, on the post as well. And um, you know, this way it'll uh, when when time comes to meet face to face, you you're already a step ahead of the game. So great. Uh, Frankie, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Any other questions that you had? Oh, by the way, I call her Frankie because that's her nickname. I, keep, <laughs> well, I, keep I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if Frankie's on the phone. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie's, like, who, who else is here? <laughs> yes. Stephanie's maiden name is Forkenstein. So Frank, yeah. she's been called Frankie as long as I know her, she is Frankie. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I was always, it was Falkenstein and my whole life I was called Frankenstein. So. Oh, jeez. You know, well, it's just, <laughs> me, I, get, I, get, I get plenty of ribbon with part plank as being my name. So, <laughs> yeah, kids, kids, we all, yeah, kids are cruel, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Yeah. No, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. And um, I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have too. So like Joe said, we look forward to meeting you in person when we get this program rescheduled. Sounds great. I appreciate the time and the opportunity. Awesome. Great. And everybody uh, stay safe, stay home, and, uh, and if at all possible, stay happy. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.